Hi, friends. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Courage Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Love, and today I am honored to have the extraordinary individual that she is, Stephanie Ann. She is a former attorney, a recipient of the Governor's Award for Advocacy for Survivors of Domestic Violence Who Triumphant Over Narcissistic Abuse. She has two marriages to narcissists behind her back. <laughs> And they have harnessed, they've helped her harness the transformative power of emotional freedom technique, EFT. And now she uses that to help guide others in their healing journey and their personal growth. So I was able to connect with Stephanie from this new podcasting group. And I am super pumped to just have more people like her telling their amazing stories and how they are helping other people conquer the things that they have been through in their life and how they are turning their pain into their purpose. Stephanie, tell us more about you. Uh, thank you so much, Jessica, for having me on, on the show. And I really like how you ended that turning our pain into purpose, because I like to believe that I didn't go through all of this trauma. I didn't have all of these struggles to keep them inside. And this is why I share my story and hopefully my story will empower other survivors to start talking and sharing their story as well. Because when we normalize talking about it, this is how we end it. So, you know, for me, for years, I was living a completely different story through a lens of, of why me? And only recently do I feel like I have broken a pattern of calling people into my life through relationships that will teach me the lessons I still needed to learn about owning this as my story. This for a long time, I didn't want this to be my story. And I'm sure many of us, we've been in that place where our stories are hard. Our stories can be painful. And sometimes it's, I'd rather not own it as my story, but I've, I've had to learn over the years to accept my story not someone else's story, but my story. And my story is of, of healing those parts within me that had me feeling unworthy of love so that I would call people back into my life who would reflect that back to me over and over again, whether it was through their abusive words, through the feeling of, of never feeling like I was enough for them, through the ways they would manipulate um, criticize, twist their words and distort my reality through gaslighting. But they would always show up as the exact teachers I needed. And I can say that now, though for a long time, I saw these two men who fit this role as monsters out to destroy my life. And so I would continue to ask, why me over the years? When I look back, I wasn't happy. I was miserable. I knew something wasn't right, but I didn't know exactly what it was. Something was off, but what was it? And sometimes I think maybe there was a part of me that was still drawn into this drama or drawn into the story, drawn into the, the chaos, into the victimhood of what was happening to me versus me being able to see what was for me. And it wasn't until after 17 years within these two marriages 
and the second one ending in violence where I found myself going blind in my eyes. I had lost multiple homes, one to a hurricane, one to a fire. My, I lost love, many loved ones to COVID-19. I had a baby born with a very rare genetic disorder. And then my first husband committed suicide, leaving me with two boys. And so, you know, I was literally in this rubble of my old life, sitting there in this mess, feeling like all this had been done to me, blaming these men who had inflicted it on me, just, you know, really just sitting here in victimhood saying, why me? You know, why me? I, I didn't deserve this. I did everything right. I was a good wife. I was a right. good mom, yeah. right? You know, yeah. I, I went to college. I went to law school. Yep. I traveled the world. I did everything according to, you know, society. I did everything right. Mm -hmm. Yet I still found myself in, in victimhood. Yeah. And, you know, I, here's the thing. I think that in that moment when I'm sitting here saying, I don't deserve all of this and thinking about my eye and losing my eyesight, where did all this come from? Maybe there was something that I wasn't seeing. Literally. And, yeah, literally. And maybe there was a lesson that I wasn't getting. And so for me, you know, I refer to God, but it's, you know, God, spirit, source, whomever we connect with gives us moments in our life, whether it's through losing everything or through a physical manifestation. But if we give ourselves grace and we start asking the right questions, maybe we can see that there is truth and what is manifesting all around us, something that is crying out for us to pay attention to. And for me, I was literally physically unable to see, and I was unable to see my story playing out in front of me because I needed to see it through a different lens. I needed to shift from the victim's story and to become the hero of my own story. And, you know, when I was able to shift that energy, then I could finally see the lessons. I could finally see what needed to be healed, what needed to be released, what needed to be let go. And, and when I was able to shift that energy, I could see my exes not as monsters out to destroy my life, but I could see them as teachers mm -hmm. and you know, it, it took me a very long time to get there. But as I started to take my power back, I could see where I needed more compassion. I could see where I needed more forgiveness. But ultimately, I could see the patterns and the shifts in my story that was no longer my reality. And as I look at so many people out there, especially women, but also men, who mm -hmm. find themselves in these toxic, narcissistic relationships, it's a pattern. It's a pattern of unworthiness. And sometimes it's so hard to see that in the initial stages of a relationship 
because of, you know, you're in that honeymoon phase. There's the love bombing. There's the trauma bond that forms. Mm, and trauma it's bond, difficult. Yeah. yeah, and it's difficult to know what is happening until maybe we lose it all or we yeah. come so close to losing our life. But when we can get to that place and we can pause and we can get still and we can start asking the right questions and we have that moment like I had where we can truly see ourselves and our story sometimes for the very first time. And that's where we can shift our story from why me to for me. And I remember in that shift, I remember hearing God's voice, you know, that inner still voice saying, it is done, Stephanie, you have shifted that pattern. And that's why I'm here today. And that's why I share my story, because it is possible for you to, it is possible for you to rewrite your story, to be the heroine or the hero of your story so that you too can say, I have shifted the pattern and now it is done. And that is true freedom. Toddler life. I know, he's, he's digging for a toy under his little kitchen. So yeah, that's, you know, that is my purpose for sharing my story is so that others can see you don't need to be stuck in your victim story. I was stuck in my victim story for 17 years. I felt like my life was going nowhere. And so many people would ask me, well, Stephanie, find the lessons, heal mm -hmm. those parts. I'm like, well, I have healed them, but there are no lessons because when you're stuck in your victim story, you can't see the lessons because you did nothing wrong. I'm the victim here. I didn't do anything wrong. It all happened to me. And why do you think that is? Why do you think it is that we get stuck in our victim story or that mm -hmm. I got stuck in my victim story? That we just, that we, we get stuck in our I victim story. Because it, it really takes you being aware and truly being honest with yourself, taking an honest look at your life and, and taking your responsibility for your role in that. And I don't mean it like, Oh, you know, I deserve to be abused and all this stuff. No, not, not like that, but just letting it go and and releasing that old story do you feel like it's part of a coping mechanism though i think i think initially in the yeah. beginning but at some point we have to let go of that victim story um you know i it reminds me of my my second husband jace so he he's an overt narcissist and he was a victim narcissist. So everything, he was a victim. The world did him wrong. Every woman betrayed him in his life. Everyone did all this stuff to him. And, and he could never get out of his victim story. In fact, 
even if I, I would ask him to help me with things around the house, you know, I, I did together. We had six children, six boys under 14. Mm. And so, you know, I was paying bills. I was doing schools. We had half our kids in private school, half our kids in other school, dealing with the uniforms, um, taking them to sports. All the boys played soccer on multiple teams, all this stuff. And it was like, it was just so much. And I was doing so much. And so when I would bring it up to him that I need your help, he would even turn that conversation into where he's the victim. And he unfortunately can't help do it with anything because he's had a rough life. <laughs> so, you know, it's like we, it, the victim story protects us and helps us for a while, but then we have to get out of that story. Because, do you, you think know, it's, a, well, do you think it's a coping mechanism while you're still in it? Um, yes, yes. And almost no. like fuel. I, I like, I want to matter. Yeah. You know, I, when you are in it, yes, you are the victim. But when you start to see yourself as more than the victim, yeah, that's when you can get unstuck. And it really is about learning those lessons. And you know, for me, I was married to two. So <laughs> I don't want to be with a third. I don't want people who have found themselves with one to be with a second. It's horrible. Yeah. So my, my first husband was a, a covert narcissist. Mm -hmm. And so the covert, and so this is what, this is what is interesting too about my story. Both of my ex-husbands were, were both very different, both narcissists, but both extremely different. My, my first one was, was a leader in the community, a leader in the church, um, Everyone looked up to him. They loved him. We had this, you know, power couple dynamic going on, if, if you will. He was in the medical field and, you know, maybe in a lawyer. Um, and so on the outside, we looked like the perfect couple. Mm -hmm. But at home, he, it was a completely different story. He wasn't violent, but he was more, more emotional and psychological abuse. Um, and he cheated a lot. He had a lot of affairs. And so then, and then, you know, in contrast with my second husband, he's a self-proclaimed asshole. He knows he's a jerk. He hates everyone. And he would tell that world. And, and, but also he became very violent in the end. And yeah. so it is so hard because it's like, okay, there are, there are things that you can see in both of them. But you don't, like for me, with my background in domestic violence and as a domestic violence advocate, winning the governor's award, all of this stuff for my work, I still did not know I was in abusive relationships. And I think that's really important to stress because here I am with my background and my knowledge, I did not know because emotional and psychological abuse it's slow sometimes it happens over time and you you know that something is not right in your relationship but you don't know what it is 
And I've talked to so many men and women who've been in that situation where it's like, something's not right. I don't know what it is. I don't have a word for it. I did not know about narcissistic abuse until just in the last couple of years. I feel like it's, it really has, um, maybe we're, we're talking about it more. Yeah. People are sharing their experiences more, but I, I didn't know. And again, you know, my background is domestic violence. I'm an expert in this field. And even with my first husband who cheated all the time, I just dismissed that as he's just a cheater. And how many of Mm. us say that? Okay. So I will tell you that collectively, if we want better lives and we want better relationships, we have to start to take our own ownership to stop tolerating that stuff and normalizing that stuff. I've literally heard women say, all men cheat. You just have to, you just have to pick the one you can tolerate the most. And I was like, what? Ew. Like who wants to live a life like that? Yeah. You know, so quit normalizing really shitty behavior and people's projections and being okay by ourselves. Exactly. If that's the case. And no, that cheating is abuse. For me, yeah. it took me a very long time to make that connection. Instead of just saying, oh, he's just a cheater. He's a cheater. No, Stephanie, you asked him to stop so many times. You told him how it made you feel. You, you know, all of this stuff. And so that's abuse. Yeah. And I, I, I hope I'm not the only one who didn't know that that was abuse. Because like you said, we have normalized cheating in relationships. But we've also normalized dysfunction in general. So I know I can speak for my first relation or my first marriage. I've only been married once. My marriage, (laughs) the only one that I've had. I didn't think he was that great of a guy, but honestly, everyone around me, I looked at other people's relationships and I was like, okay, well, he's not that bad. He doesn't do that. Right. And then I, I like hardcore settled. And then when we were having issues and I would talk to anybody around me about it, this is why it's just so important who you surround yourself with and surrounding yourself with people that are going to force you to really set the standard for yourself and your life higher and that they model that stuff for us. So I didn't have a bunch of healthy relationship examples. Everybody had like their own kind of weird drama, their own kind of issues. And I was like, okay, well, he doesn't have a drinking problem. He, he, he works a good job, right? He doesn't cheat on me. He doesn't do this stuff. Well, it was like that stuff hadn't started yet. Right. It came later on. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, okay, well now he does this stuff. Okay. Well now he sucks. And even in dating, I've been single for, you know, 10 plus years since then. And I talk to friends all the time about dating, how, you know, it's like, oh, this guy, like, and they start checking boxes, start checking boxes. Okay. Well he does, he has this and he has this. And I'm like, yeah, but how do you, how do you, how do you feel? Mm -hmm. How's the energy between you two? right? Is it a push pull? Like how's the dynamic? Is it, does it flow? Is it easy? But we've been conditioned for dysfunction. So we think that if it is, does flow and it is easy, then 
it's all wrong, right? Because, you know, we're, we're addicted to the drama and the chase. And especially if you are a more assertive female that can exist in your masculine when you need to, then that gets normalized too. And then you start always doing that, but then it creates freaking chaos and havoc in your life. And you're like, okay, wait, I don't understand. What did I do wrong? You know? Yeah. No, it is totally true. And you know, for, for me, what was really hard was that I had good relationships modeled. My parents Mm. are still married. And my first husband, his parents are still married. My parents have been married for over 45 years. His parents have been married for over 55 years. And it's like, we both came from very, very good functioning families. And so I think that made it a challenge as well because, you know, and, and growing up in the church as well, like, you know, my mom's a minister. And so <laughs> it's like, well, you work through your stuff. Oh, yeah. Sometimes I grew relationships up are hard. Mm-hmm. You, you work oh. through it, Stephanie. You work through it. And it's like, okay, but at what point, point. I've yes. been working through it for, mm. you know, 14 years and at what point do you just say i'm done and and i do have to give my first husband credit for that he left me uh he i had a a two-year-old and a four-year-old and he walked out the door one day and and never came back and it as hard as that was he did something that i couldn't do And yeah. I don't know if it, you know, it, now I know it's a combination of, you know, worthiness, a combination of just all these old limiting beliefs that I grew up in. No, you stay, you make it work. Yep. You're a Christian. You don't get a divorce. You, you know, all these things. And it's like, no, I wasn't, I wasn't honoring me. I should have left the first time all of this happened. And, but you know, we can't beat ourselves up. We have to say, okay, I mean, there was guilt there. There was this and that, but I did what I did. I can only just heal, release it and move on. And then your, your second husband, who ended that? So that's a very long story, but, (laughs) um, I did. I, I, I walked away and thank God. I learned mm-hmm. my lessons much quicker because, yeah. and now I have really learned my lessons. And so my first husband, my second husband, you know, I thought I was completely healed from my second marriage. And this is what will happen if you don't break the patterns. If you don't learn the lessons, you will continue to call people in to teach you those lessons. And so it had been a couple years. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm healed. I feel like I'm healed. I'm ready to start dating. And I, and I did, you know, I'm a good manifester. I, I made the checklist, like what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, I made yeah. it. And I, I was like, okay, I'm going for tall, dark, handsome. I'm going for looks and <laughs> no one in medical. And, yeah. uh, you know, I was like a businessman divorced dad with only boys like i was legit specific specific yeah and a week later i i meet this guy 
mm-hmm. who fits everything. Mm-hmm. And he lived a couple hours away. And so I thought I was doing everything right by saying, let's just really get to know each other before we meet. Because I, you know, I knew I was very attracted to him and all this stuff. I didn't mm-hmm. want it to go physical. I just wanted us to really develop this deep friendship and knowing of each other. And so for a couple months, we just chatted online and on the phone, FaceTime, and, and it was great. But here's the thing. You can't see the red flags. You can't talk Mm-mm. to friends and family. Nope. And so by the time I actually met him, I was in love with him. Mm-hmm. And, Got those and rose-colored glasses on. Oh, oh, big time. And so that's the, the hard part as well. Because during this honeymoon phase, he was telling me everything I wanted to hear. He was mirroring me. I did not know that at the time. Yeah. And so, you know, he loved that I was an attorney. He loved that I was a strong, independent woman. He loved that all my girlfriends are strong, independent women. He loved all these things (laughs) in the beginning. When the devaluation phase came, he hates my profession. And for years, all he would say is just mean, horrible, negative things about lawyers, whatever. I don't care, you know, but like then he would start devaluing my friends and saying all this stuff and my my beliefs, my politics, all of this stuff were things in the beginning that he loved about me mm-hmm. during the devaluation phase. It was all just horrible, horrible, horrible things. And so that's what what makes it so confusing. And so, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't know, but in the beginning when he was saying things like, Oh, we're soulmates, we're connected. We we've, Mm. I wish I would have met you years ago. And you know, things, things like that. It's like, well, I did manifest him. I mean, Mm -hmm. I literally a week prior. And so, you know, you start believing all of this stuff. Yeah. And then you're hooked, you're in too deep. And, and that's when the trauma bond forms because you have such a, a tight connection. I mean, I've shared with him things that I never shared with anyone. He mm-hmm. knew that my first husband had all these affairs. He knew my insecurities and my deepest vulnerabilities. You literally and gave him a handbook. What, yeah and that's what narcissists do and then in the devaluation phase they bring all that stuff up against you Mm -hmm. and then you're like well why didn't you leave then well you don't leave then because it's very confusing yeah it doesn't make sense you're like wait a second you were just so incredibly amazing and and now you know there's this this uh, devaluation, but then they come back and they, they don't apologize, but they just love bomb you. Mm-hmm. And so you get stuck in this trauma bond of with all this intermittent reinforcement because yeah. we stay because we know that they know how to love. 
they know how to treat us right. They know mm-hmm. how to be kind to us. And so maybe if we can just get through this little rough moment, we know it's yep. going to go back. And that's yep. what keeps you con- uh, stuck. And then if you've known them for a long time too, because I definitely do know people that they have a really hard time completely letting them go. Even if they divorce them, they have a hard time letting them go because then they feel some kind of obligation to them. And especially if like, and who I'm talking about is like, it's men that I know that they were raised with this very, like, I'm a man, I'm a provider. I can't abandon her. Right. Mm-hmm. I even had this guy that I was talking to when I moved here that totally like finally got the courage to leave filed for divorce, gave her everything, whatever she wanted, moved. And then he was finally like getting on his feet, getting his business going, all this stuff. And then of course, when do you think she calls? When the money runs out. Mm -hmm. Poor me. Oh, I am bipolar off my meds. Just whatever the story was. I lost my job. My family's the perpetual victim. Everybody's so terrible. And then of course it was like, well, he felt obligated to help her. And I'm like, Okay, I've been divorced for, you know, eight plus years at this time. And I'm like, no matter what kind of shit I am in, my ex-husband is the last person I would call. Right. right? So I thought that was pretty wild that it's like out of anybody you could call, why would it be that person? Well, because that's the person that you can continually manipulate. Well, and that's also what they do. They like to, to make sure they still have supply and you are just shelved for the moment. But when they need something from you, they will, they will call. And you know, this is, so my, um, my second ex-husband, Jace, so their names are so similar. This is Josh and Jace. They're both Aquarius. (laughs) The J names. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I know. There's so many similarities. It's like, God, how did I miss all this? Well, the wild thing is, is that the universe will literally send you the same person in a different body until you learn your lesson. I've had multiple girlfriends with literally this, their birthday was almost exactly the same. Their name started with the same letter and they had very similar stories. And actually when I told one girlfriend about a previous one, she kind of laughed and said, oh, she sounds like me. And then when I told that guy about this female friend. He's like, dang, she sounds like my ex-wife. I'm not even kidding. Yes. She, she totally was. And I had to completely like cut ties because that was, she was very like covert narcissist and the very um, perpetual victim. Mm-hmm. Every guy does her wrong. All poor her, all this stuff. But the crazy thing is though, is how those people are super powerful manifestors in the way where they will manifest all these people that keep their life going. Yes. No, I don't even understand it. No, it is so, it is so true. Like there were so many similarities between my two ex-husbands that I didn't catch on. And, you know, they both called each other narcissists as well. Oh, yeah, Josh is of such course. A narcissist. Oh, no, Sammy yeah. Jace is such a narcissist. Get away from him. And, yeah. <clears throat> you know, but it, it wasn't until you actually remove yourself from the situation, then you can, you can see everything clearly. 
but it is true until we break these patterns, we will keep repeating them over and over again. And I will tell you, I don't want any more J names. I don't want any more Aquarius. I don't. (laughs) Oh, so, so I had, I've only had one serious relationship since I've been divorced and he also is funny as he was an Aquarius and, um, in the whole talking phase, like, yes, I saw some red flags, but it was one of those things that I was in a space, which I knew too. I knew I had like that self-awareness that I, everybody around me, you know, this is more in my early, earlier thirties where everybody's married with kids. And I was like, I freaking want kids. Right. So of course, dating somebody with kids, you have the Insta family. And especially because she was really young, she was only like 18 months old, his daughter. And so I definitely saw some of the red flags, but there was a little bit of a trauma bond though, in terms of we both were raised in very strict controlling religions. Mm -hmm. And then we both worked in healthcare. He was a nurse also. (laughs) And yeah, yeah. And then same, same as I was, and, but we worked in different departments. So, um, in the talking phase, I saw some of the stuff, but like you said, you don't see the full version of anybody until you get in their bubble on a regular basis. So even going to his house, I still didn't see, he was so good at, you know, putting up a front. Right. And it wasn't until I moved in when I moved in, I'm not even kidding. In the first like two weeks, I was like, holy shit, what did I do? (laughs) Cause I rented my house out and I moved in with them. And then all of a sudden it was like the veil had been lifted. And then I was like, okay, clearly this is the conversation I had with myself. I said, clearly I need to be here for whatever reason. I'm going to take as much as I can from the situation. I'm going to learn from it. And we even went to a therapist together. And what I loved so much about when we went to a therapist together was that I went to the therapist first because I'm like, okay, I've already been here, done that. I've been married before. I've already moved in with this guy. He's got a kid. Like I'm trying not to create more damage than Mm -hmm. as possible. Right. So I go see the guy first, talk to him a little bit. And then, you know, this other guy, he comes to therapy too. And I was cool, calm and collected and he lost his shit and looked absolutely ridiculous. And he had told me that him and his ex-wife went to therapy multiple times and it was always her that they're like, oh, it's her. She has daddy issues and she needs to do this. And he was like the golden child that nothing, he never did anything wrong, which I didn't believe but it was just interesting, the comparison of the stories. Cause then in therapy with me, he lost his mind. And then even multiple times when we would have like some kind of disagreement, he would get so crazy emotional. And he's like, you don't even understand. I've never been like this before. I don't even understand where this, all these emotions are coming from. And I'm like, whatever. I wanted to throw a punch him though. So, um, I will say that everybody being really conscientious of the type of person you are around that person. Mm -hmm. What does that bring up for you? And so now I'm much, much more conscientious when I'm in a guy's energy, when we are together, when we are doing things, I can, I'm way more conscious of our energetic exchange and how do I feel like I want to be because I know what that is for the long term. And if a guy is very like not self-aware and a little more dysregulated, and if I feel like I need to be in my masculine and like containing his like chaos, I will be very resentful. And it's not, it's not a good combination, right? Because then I am abandoning 
who I truly want to be, which is in my soft feminine. I don't want to freaking control everything all the time. I don't want to be your mother either. And so in that relationship, I've never wanted to throat punch a guy so bad in my life. And I was like, I do not like this version of me that I am like, I want to be combative, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, which it was never like that. But I acknowledged that that's what it brought up in me and that that's not what I want for the future. So we did go to counseling a little bit and basically, you know, it didn't help for him to come at all. Like it only made things worse because then it was that turning of, well, you know, he gets paid for this. So he's creating problems. And I was like, okay, Mm. (laughs) they are already there and clearly going to talk about them isn't making anything any better. And I remember the therapist when I had gone by myself and he's like, you know, it really sucks that he can't be more self-aware because I think you guys would actually be good people for each other if he could grow up. Right. And he said that I can never counsel people whether they should stay or go. I can only say that I don't think you've learned everything you need to learn to really fully move on from this. And I said, okay. And I I knew he was right. Mm -hmm. Two weeks later, boom, it clicked. I left packed a bag, left, had movers come and like move me out. And I went and rented an apartment that was literally a couple blocks from where I owned my house. And I never saw him again after that. And I will tell you, almost every guy I've ever dated finds me years later and like wants to be my friend or wants to talk, right? Yes. He is completely dropped off the map. When I completely cut ties, completely disappeared from all of our friend circles, everything. It was super wild to see. So now I'm just much more conscientious of, okay, can I truly remain in my authentic self? Or is there some way, somehow the dynamics that require me to self-abandon? Yeah. So I want you to tell me about when you did leave your second husband, the process she went through, because from what people have told me, it is a very intense, like grieving and all the things, like all the things come up through that process. And I want to know how it was for you and what you did to manage it. Yeah. So, you know, I actually left him twice and filed for divorce twice. So the first time was in 2020. So we got married in 2019, in December, 2019, we, we met and got married within the same year. And kind of going along with what some of the stuff you were saying, um, you know, they, they really try to hook you in. And a lot of the devaluation doesn't start until they've hooked you. And for many that's moving in together, getting married, you know, things of of that nature, because it becomes much harder to untangle. And so 2020 hit, we just got married. And then that's when he changed. That's Mm -hmm. when the the devaluation happened. And so it was a very confusing time because it was like, is this truly his behavior or is this 2020? Because everything was just a mess in 2020. And so I couldn't put my finger on it, but I would just say, you know, there's this Dr. Hyde, Jekyll, Mm -hmm. you know, thing going on. Like I never knew which personality would show up. Was it going to be nice today? Was it going to be mean? And mm-hmm. so in, in 2020, there was actually a, it was August. It was right after my son's birthday party. 
And well, and that's the thing too, they've ruined every special holiday, every, everything that's not 100% about them. They pout, yeah. they do this, they, but it was just, I, I just started, I was just, I just had enough. And so it was my son's birthday party. And then later that night, my other son, I, I don't remember how old he was at the time, like 10, nine or eight, I don't know, somewhere around there. He got his finger shut in the door and I had to run him to the ER and he had to get 10 stitches. Mm. By the time we came back, it was after midnight and Jace just started again with just being this mean, nasty person. And so he never believed me when I would tell him the things that he did. No. And, you know, he'd do a lot of the gaslighting to diminish his role or come up with some sort of justification. But he would try to keep me in this confused state where I had to question my reality of what really happened. So yeah. I pulled my phone out to record him and he just turns into the devil and he attacks me, physically attacks mm. me. Now in the, the, the gaslighting, he says that he was just trying to get the phone away from me, but I was terrified. Yeah. And so in that wrestling moment, my phone called 911 and I didn't know it until I had finally gotten away from him and I grabbed my children and my dog and I got out of there. And then I filed a restraining order on him to get him out of the house because he wouldn't leave. And so it was during that time where I found EFT, which is emotional freedom techniques, tapping. Mm -hmm. I thought I was signing up to work with a practitioner, but I actually signed up to become a practitioner. <laughs> and so, you know, the, the universe knows what we need when we need mm -hmm. it. And I, as I needed to really know about this tool and to have this tool for me to become a practitioner, because that took hundreds of hours. And so for two months, all I did was just tapping, just working through and processing the past year and a half. Like what just happened? Who is this person that I'm married to? Yeah. And so I spent all these months just tapping and we were, we were separated. Well, because I had the restraining order and I chose not to talk with him, his mother kept calling me. Oh, he misses you, Stephanie. He's changed. He loves you so much. He's so great. Just please take him back. He will do whatever, whatever it is. And I just, I ignored her for a while, but finally, you know, there was just so much pressure and there was so much confusion too. Like again, 2020, it's like, what was 2020? What was really happening? All of this stuff. Yeah. And so I agreed to meet him and I, I give him my list of things. I'm like, well, you need to go to AA and I want you to take an, a, an abuser recovery class. And those are my two requirements for you to come back into my life. And he said, mm -hmm. okay. And, and he did both of those, but mind you again, it's 2020. And so everything's online yeah. and I don't fully believe he took anything seriously because it was yeah. great again, like for the first couple months that we got back together, it was the, like the honeymoon phase all over again. 
but they can only continue that facade for so long. Mm -hmm. And then it went right back to everything. And so I, it took another year and a half, another two years before I was able to break away again. And so what happened was he went into a, a narcissistic rage. I'd never Mm -hmm. seen anything like this before. Again, I didn't grow up in chaos. I grew up in very healthy relationships and families. And I I had never seen this before, but he went for three weeks in imagine like an adult full-blown temper tantrum Tantrum. Mm -hmm. that just wouldn't stop. I'm slamming doors, punching walls. And I don't even know what set it off, except for maybe I I just stopped putting up with with his crap and what he was doing, and he no longer could get a reaction from me because they mm-hmm. thrive on reactions. That's like their yep. fuel that keeps them going. And so once I stopped reacting, he no longer could manipulate or control me. And so if they can no longer emotionally or psychologically control you, they will move to violence. And I've seen this over and over and over again with everyone I've talked to. Um, And so for him, he needed to try to regain control over me. And that's when he became violent. And um, at that point, I knew I had to get out of there. So I confided in a couple close friends and people that actually, my life's not great. And so I was trying to come up with a way to get out of there safely. You know, we had six kids, the three of them aren't mine. They're my, my stepsons, but I've been together with them for so many years and their mother passed away from COVID. So I was like their, their only mother. Oh yeah. Yeah. it, It was really hard. And it was hard for me to leave them. And to know that they are actually still with their father and he Mm. is still repeating the cycle. More women are coming through his house. He's still repeating the cycle. But I had to get out of there and I had to take my biological children out of there and and know that we we deserve so much better. I deserve so much better. But it was it has been very hard. It was very hard because like, you know, the the trauma bond keeps you connected. And I would go back and look at my journal and it's like the full of, I love you. I hate you. What just happened? I don't know. I miss you. Like, like just so many conflicting emotions and, you know, just that, that tension there. Um, and so for me, I'm very, very thankful that I had EFT because even when I went back to him, I continued to to process everything that was happening and everything that was happening to me. And so I think that I could have been a a bigger mess, but because I had tools to where when things would come up, I could instantly work through these emotions, instantly work through, release them, and then tap into the person that I want to become, that I am becoming. And how, how were the people around you? Were, did you have family or friends that could be supportive? Oh, yeah. I have, I have 
amazing friends, amazing family. And I actually, I had to move away. So my second husband, I left in Florida and I moved to Oregon. You can't really go much further. Right. Good for <laughs> 3, you. 3,000 miles away. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even still, like he does not know where I lived. He doesn't know anything because I do not feel safe around him. Yeah. Um, and I have to protect myself and protect my kids. And yeah. so I, unfortunately, I've had to cut off his entire family as well. I've had to go no yeah. contact yeah. with yeah. everyone for my own safety and for my children's safety. And, and I, I haven't heard from him except for when, when you were talking about when they randomly show up back in your life, I got a phone call back in September from a bail bonds <laughs> uh -huh. from Florida. And yeah. I did not answer it. Good for you. Well, a month later, my sister was doing some research and his mugshot came up that he mm -hmm. just got his third DUI. And it was on the date that I got the call from, it was the day after, which, you know, that you go to jail and you, you, your arraignments in the morning, you have to stay in jail for until your arraignment comes up. But he called me thinking I would bail him out. But see, that just proves though, that it's like, hey, do I still have any power over her? Can I still get tentacles in there? That's yes. like their desperation though. That's like the last stitch effort of, you know, I'm just throwing something out there. I'm shooting darts in the dark, trying to just get something and someone to pay attention to me, you know? Yes. And luckily that wasn't the case with that other boyfriend. He, it was a couple months that he kept calling me, but I have no qualms in like blocking people. Literally, yeah. if we can't have an adult conversation, and this is what I love that he used to talk about things about his ex-wife, right? And I saw the behaviors in him and I was like, I didn't understand the relationship before, but I totally got it once I was with him for a certain amount of time because I'm like, they're just like each other. They are like perfect for each other. They like feed off each other's weird codependent toxicity. So then- it's like, oh yeah, you want to like play this violin to me? Like, I don't, I don't play that game. I don't feel bad for you. And you know, when you would talk about stuff, I'm like, yeah, but where was your part in this? Mm -hmm. You know? And it's like, you were still choosing to not stick up for yourself, choosing to allow her to do that. You know, it was like, oh, well she cheated. And it's like, yeah, but then you stayed with her, you know, and you still were having sex with her, mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, okay, what about that stuff? Right. So it's just crazy that it's like some people will still try. I'm really grateful that he was one of the people that didn't, but Meg's husband could not leave me alone. Like literally every couple years I would get a text message from a number I didn't know. Like wow. I moved, I changed my phone number. I changed jobs. Like I changed everything. And I did try to leave him once before I actually divorced him, but he like freaked out and acted all crazy. And we didn't have a really drama filled relationship. Like it, we didn't have big fights or anything like that. We didn't make up, break up. Like we didn't have any of that. So when that happened, it was like, Oh, where's this coming from? Right. Yeah. And I knew he was doing Coke. 
So then I was like, okay, now he's not in the right headspace. I'm not okay with the way life is, but I'm not, I'm not ready to deal with the potential consequences if he like goes off his rocker. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, because my family lived local and I didn't want to get anybody else involved. So I waited a couple months and then it like didn't get any better. Obviously I wasn't expecting it to get better, but then it got to a point where then the light bulb went off and I'm like, I don't care what happens. I will, I'm just going to do whatever I need to do. And I was so at peace. And I feel like a huge part of being able to massively change your life is finding that peace. Cause that's where your power is knowing mm-hmm. that you are doing the best for you. And especially people that are moms like you, that it's like, I am, I am teaching. This is, this is what my kids think a relationship is like, is this what I want for them forever? You know? And then you're like, okay, hopefully I can salvage this right. Of like them not thinking that's what it is. So I love that you found tapping and that you have the family resources because I feel like compared to a lot of like men and other men and women I talked to, I feel like that was huge part for me was that when we finally split, my family didn't really like him anyways, but it wasn't any kind of valid reasons. They were just like, no, you know? Yeah. And so when I did finally get divorced, nobody said, I told you so. Everybody was like, yeah, what do you need? Do you want to come stay here for a little bit? Like, you know, including me a lot more. I mean, it was, I'm really, really grateful that I had people that I could go to and that I had so much of my own my own resources, you know, it's like he drained the bank accounts. Yeah. Oh yes. He drained the bank accounts and I'm not opposed to therapy either. So it was like, I was already in therapy. I was going to therapy. And then, um, you know, in terms of financial, he drained the bank accounts and things like that. And I'm like, I don't care. It's just money. I feel like the harder we make things, we make things a lot harder when we attach ourselves to all these like things outside of us, you know, the picture of what we thought our life should have been with those people. And then also the house, like, Oh, that was the most beautiful home I had. Like, who cares? Homes are a dime a dozen. Like you can get another home, right? Like the cars, the lifestyle, a lot of people have a hard time letting go of the lifestyle. And it's like, but your peace is priceless. Your safety is priceless. Exactly. (laughs) And, and for your children as well, like you were saying, like I had to leave everything. I left everything and i just got out of there and and still to this day i it's just stuff yep and i was able to get my kids things because i knew you know it was important to them i got their things but i had to leave everything of mine and i really had to yeah like you said is you, you have to not have any attachment to that you know what i can get new stuff Mm -hmm. But let's just talk about a new beginning because it's a complete new beginning. And, you know, when I, when I got my apartment, I got it sight unseen, brand Mm -hmm. new. And guess what my ad, my address is one, one, one new beginnings, you know? And so it's like, every time we're going through the door, it's like, no, this is my new beginning. Yeah. I don't have anything, but I'm happy and I'm safe. My children are happy and they are safe. And that's what matters. And, you know, going, going back to, to where they narcissists always want to have their, 
their supply. It's like they have this little black book of who they know they yes. can reach out to. And uh-huh. my first ex-husband, after I, after I left Jace, Josh called me. Josh had never, we had never talked in six years. We never no, talked yeah, he just left. the day he left. I mean, we had to talk about kids stuff, but we never talked about us. There was never closure. And that's yeah. something you don't have with, with these narcissistic relationships because yeah. they either discard you and go to the next supply or you discard them and move on and heal and move on with your life. And so I got this random call and he was crying and uh, apologizing. It was like everything I wanted to hear six years ago, but it was so confusing again, because it's like, okay, you are remarried now. Why are you telling me you regretted leaving me? I just left my second husband. Like, you know, their timing is impeccable. (laughs) but that's but that's for a reason though because that's almost like how it's like the universe source god whoever you want to call it it's it's almost like the test where it's like okay how committed to choosing yourself are you so then for me in every dating circumstance like i haven't had relationships longer than like 90 days for the most part because i give it you know a certain amount of time a couple months Because people can only not be themselves Mm -hmm. for a few months. For 90 days is typically where it is. And I'm just really, I I go all in. That's fine. We will be exclusive. We will really see if this goes somewhere or not. And when it doesn't align with what I want, I just got much stronger at getting, like unapologetically owning what I do and don't want in my life. And then how- I want to feel in the direction I'm going. And if they are not in alignment with that, because- I'm sorry. A lot of guys these days are just people pleasers and they do have like the nice guy syndrome. And it's like, oh, let me just tell you what you want to hear. But then when it comes to them actually like manning up to it and stepping up and like owning that that's where they want to go in their life, it's not really. And I can see that. And so Mm -hmm. instead of me making excuses or like trying to romanticize what I think it is, it's it's not. And then I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry, bro. And And I walk away. You yeah, know, so for you. that's been super helpful for me. And, and I also don't choose to live in fear. Like yes. I know that I'm an amazing person. And I have a lot to bring to the table. So if I exist, someone that's just like me exists. And if, as long as I am okay, being by myself, doing my life for myself, then that makes space for that person to come along. Yeah, no, I 100% agree because you don't want to end up in these relationships. And I will tell you after two marriages to, to narcissists, I have no desire, no desire to date, no desire to put myself out there. I don't, like you said, like one, well, one, just working on myself and, and healing yeah. all of that. But I'm tired of lowering my standards. I'm tired yeah. of just, you know, feeling like I'm with someone that I don't really even want to be with because I'm too Mm -hmm. afraid to say no or to end it or anything like that. Like, no, my job right now is to raise amazing boys who are respectful, who know about consent, who are kind Mm -hmm. and caring and loving 
And, and I get it all the time from teachers, from soccer coaches telling me like, Stephanie, your boys are so thoughtful. They are so kind. And, you know, over the years and, and with, in these two marriages, I never hid anything from my kids. Yeah. And if they heard things like, like my, like Jace was very toxic masculinity Mm-hmm. And, and he would say things, you know, to even put the kids down and, oh, you're going to go run and cry to your mom. You, you probably need some milk from your mom, you know, like stupid shit like that. And yeah. so I would go to my kids if I heard anything and I would say, look, this is not kind behavior. This is not how we treat people. And, and I've always emotion coached them and I've had mm-hmm. a strong attachment to them. And so thank God, I think that they have been spared a lot. Good. And I've taught them how to tap. My, my, Good. Uh, oh, I love that. My nine-year-old told me it was a couple months ago. He's like, mom, I was sitting in school tapping because I'm, I'm tapping into becoming um, a professional soccer player. Oh and my I'm gosh, like, that's so cute. I'm like, yes, keep doing it. But, you know, that's so important that you mentioned that and that you were able to buffer in some way, because how, how do you think these men are created just right. like this? Exactly. And that's the thing is that the narcissism that happens in like both the directions, right? Where it's like either they're really coddled, which your first husband was probably like the star, everything of his parents' world. And so then they develop this really warped sense of self, like they're really entitled, right? Mm -hmm. And then your second husband was probably more of the result of like not having any love. Mm, Yeah, yeah. And so they don't know how to regulate their emotions. And it's just this craziness where it's like, then we have these dysregulated grown ass men and they don't realize their power and how much pain and trauma they can inflict on people because they are hurting. Yeah, yep. No, it's, it's absolutely true. And, but it takes them becoming aware and sitting down with themselves and becoming aware. And, you know, it's hard enough as the actual victim to do all of that, to do the hard work. Yeah, It is so much easier just to move on to the next supply because or to move on to the next relationship for well, you. Well, yeah, too, yeah. Because, you know, that's what I say yeah. with, with supply relationship. And that's why, you know, my Jace, he, he's already been in, in multiple relationships since I left. And because it takes a lot of courage to actually sit down and become aware. But if you've had so many um, traumas in your life where you have built up this wall, this protective self layer after layer after layer, it takes a very strong person to admit that and to work through all of that. It's so much easier just to go to the next relationship and forget about it. Anyways, you were talking about it takes a very strong person. Yeah, it takes a really strong person to acknowledge and admit that they need healing. And, you know, with narcissists, it's a layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of protective self and trauma that to unpack that, that's hard, hard work. It is so much easier to move on to the next relationship and pretend like nothing ever happened. 
Mm-hmm. And that's why we have all these unhealed people walking around because it's hard work to heal. It is yeah. hard work to take the time out to be by yourself, to be introspective, to ask those questions, to really stop and see those lessons and to break those patterns. And so, like you were saying, there's, there's so many unhealed people walking around and it's not my job to heal mm-hmm. my next relationship, mm, the next yes, person so in my life. I'll have to admit this was my, I didn't, I was very conscious of a lot of things, right? But they were still part of me. And this is what I love what you said, that you literally call in these people at the exact time that you need it. Okay. So I was very good with dating. I feel like I didn't have a crazy dramatic dating life because I was so good at like, okay, this doesn't work for me. Like, okay, you know, say no, break up with them and just move on. And I would go very long periods of time without dating anybody. And I was just fine. And, but I still worked as a nurse in the hospital. So Mm. I didn't recognize this really like subtle codependent behavior I had or tendency I had. And it was a little bit of the savior complex. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I was really good. Like I said, with dating, when guys would kind of cling on me where they're like, help me figure my life out. And I'm like, oh, gross. No, I don't want to. So there was part of me that wasn't as empathic as I could be. So then I left healthcare, right? And then I started learning more about conscious relationships and co-regulation, right? Where, you know, we all have our shit. And so I was totally for a long time on this like real high, like healed horse, right? <laughs> and, there, and you know, when you get there, it's dangerous because then you don't really see your part in things, right? Because mm-hmm. then it's really easy to point the finger. So then, okay, I came to Texas. I made a lot of space in my life. I was very consciously like existing in my feminine more. So then I was definitely attracting more like masculine men here in Texas. And then, like I said, the, the guy that I met when I moved here with the stuff with his ex-wife where it was, it was so easy between us. And that's the thing is we both definitely had history of complicated relationships prior, like between my marriage and that relationship, but I had more space between mine. So I had more breathing room and I've been on my own for quite some time right now, right. Compared to where he was at. And I felt the energy of, okay, like, I don't think he's resolved some of that pain and that hurt from that relationship. But I was like, okay, whatever. I was in this space where we all have a little bit of our own shit still, right? And that's going to come up with the next person we date to be unpacked and dealt with. So I was very much more in this space of being willing to work out whatever comes up together. But then the hard part was, is that he became really avoidant and he like literally ran. And so then I said, okay, what part of me isn't healed that I need to. So then I did get really introspective of like that attract someone like that, as opposed to asking the question that why did I still continue to try to talk to him after he became avoidant? Mm -hmm. And that was part of like a little bit of this codependent savior complex where I was like, yeah, but I'm not crazy (laughs) and I'm willing to like, 
be patient and listen, but yet you can't love someone. You can't love like their unhealed parts until they are willing to heal it themselves. Right. And until they're willing. Yes. Yes. So then it was like, that was a huge realization for me. And then especially because when he said something about his ex-wife being like my friend and I was like, Oh, Oh, okay. Okay. And so I basically had to acknowledge that part of me that had a little bit of this, like, you kind of want to be needed, right? But then it creates that codependency and it feels yucky. So mm-hmm. I had to get tired of my own shit where I'm like, okay, I don't want people clinging to me, you know? So <laughs> how can I just be more conscious of people to meet me where I'm at instead of me lowering myself down for people exactly. that are in the dumps? Okay, how about you work through your stuff and meet me here? And then whatever comes up here, then we work on it from there. As opposed to like, let me get down on the trench and like, you know, be your therapist. You don't want to go back (laughs) down there once you've already been down there. So yeah, it is uh, healed, healthy, whole, high quality. Yes, yes. And have you gone to any kind of therapy or anything? I... um, So I'm very fortunate because one of my very best friends is a marriage and family therapist. Oh, awesome. So she, uh, she comes down almost every weekend and we have our, I mean, she's not wearing that therapy hat, but yeah, you know, it's even better though because very, very tight support group. And so healing through that, a lot of EFT, a lot of, um, getting to know who I am. Like in in 2020, I also became a a numerologist as well because I just wanted to know more about me, what's going on in my life and and stuff. And so I do a lot of um, forecasting and and the energies and working with that. I don't do it with other people. I just do it as my own personal, you know, growth. Uh, But really, but you found stuff for you. That's the key is that you're like, who is Stephanie and what does she love? Because the thing is, is until you figure that out, every time you get into a dating circumstance, you're going to just mold to whoever they want. So I have a lot of guys come to me for guidance, but they are still very much in that victim place. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know, I did all this stuff for her. And I'm like, but what did you want? Yeah. Who are you? Right. He's like, oh, I grew a beard because this chick wanted it. And I'm like, but what did you want? Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then they're bitter that they did it because she wanted it. And I'm like, okay, how can you be able to look in the mirror and acknowledge where you are not standing up for yourself? Cause that's the other thing is that's a huge thing for people in general. But I notice a lot with men having trouble owning what they want, mm-hmm. you know? So it's really being, being able to be clear and state, this is what I do and don't want, but also this is what I value and that exactly. I am standing in those values and actually living the values. That's the other thing. Is it because, yeah, you can list values and say, I value this, but then not actually living that life is huge. Yeah. You can't say you value being healthy and fit, but yet drink beer every night and never go to the gym, you exactly. know, and not look at labels. <laughs> yeah, right. So that's, that's also one of the reasons why I don't have a last name. 
So I, after being married twice and the first, the first marriage was a struggle because I kept my last name and he would always bring, bring it up. Oh, well, you don't love me. You won't take my last name. You won't do this. I'm like, Jesus Christ, you can't win. <laughs> and so, you know, after, after both of those marriages, it's like, I don't feel like I'm my maiden name anymore. I'm not these other two last names that I eventually took. And my, one of my friends, she's like, I'll oh, just have your last name be goddess or whatever. I'm yeah. like, no, I will, yeah. I will come up with, with a name that's not attached to anything. Um, but I, I love Stephanie Ann. It, you know, Stephanie means royalty and crowned one and means grace and favored by God. And so mm. stepping into my queen's energy as I'm like, I'm just, I'm Stephanie Ann. Like, yeah, that's who I am. You know, I actually had a girlfriend. I actually had a girlfriend change her name. Like from, she said she experienced a lot of childhood trauma. And as she grew up, she was like, that name was too attached to like her upbringing and all that stuff. So she's decided that she's like, you know, I'm just going to make up my own name. And she legally changed her name to the name that she made up for herself. That's awesome. I love yeah. that. I love it. Yeah. So this is why I go by Stephanie Ann and people are like, well, what's your last name? I can't find you. I'm like, well, you know, maybe I don't want you to find me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. Well, I am anymore. <clears throat> yes. Yes. Well, no. And I love that you're able to own that and still be able to talk about your experiences with this compassion and empathy for yourself too, because I know there's so much guilt and shame that goes through, that people go through this process of healing through this. Oh, absolutely. And it's the shame that keeps us stuck and keeps us from sharing our stories. And that's why I said, no, I'm sharing my story. And I will continue to share it because one, it's healing for me and it's empowering for me to share my story. But also there's so many listeners out there who I would rather them after get out of the relationship that they are in, learn the lessons, see the shift in their life, break the patterns than to repeat things that I have repeated of calling them in yep. because you, you will continue to repeat all the same patterns until you deal with it. And thank God for me, my, you know, my first marriage was 14 years. My second one, it's only four. Yeah. <laughs> my third, if we go there, there won't be, it won't be a toxic relationship. Nope. Same. I'm like, I, I am I feel, so I've learned the patterns. Yep. I'm not the top of my list now will be healthy, healed and whole high value person. <laughs> yes. Yes. But authentically high value. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and yes, not yes, this distorted, inflated version of it. No, so no. your children's dad, is he in the picture at all? My, which one? I'm, I'm sorry. You, you kind of cut out there for a second. Um, is it Josh? Josh. Oh, is yeah. he in so, the picture with the kids? No, he is not. I don't, maybe it, you missed it when I was in doing my little intro story there. He committed suicide last month. Oh, okay. Okay. So I heard that in the beginning, mm-hmm. but then 
when you said he came back around, I was like, okay, wait, when yeah, did that happen? Yeah. Okay. So he, he came back around and, um, when he called me and, and I do believe he was genuine in some ways. I, you know, I, I don't know. After that, we, we never talked again. Um, yeah. and so obviously he was struggling with a lot of mental health issues and yeah. with a lot of personally, I think it's, um, you know, people can only live with guilt and shame yep. and leading a double life for so long that it will destroy you eventually. And you From the can inside see out. that in older narcissists as well. You know, just angry, angry older people who they have no relationships anymore. They've broken all their relationships and and it's so sad. And with Josh, I, I had no idea all this stuff was going on. Um, I was hoping that we could come to a place where we could parent um, together together more easily. And that's what the boys wanted. And, you know, he just couldn't get past his, his struggles and the stuff mm. that he was going through. And so as, as horrible as it is because you know i mean there's so many conflicting emotions at the time because you know this was oh, someone yeah. i had spent a, a large portion of my life with but i also felt this huge relief mm. this huge burden just lift off my shoulders and i for the first time in you know 20 years felt free yeah. Felt free. Like I I'm feel so like I'm back to where I was in my early twenties, like completely free. I don't have these two angry, controlling men trying to control my life. It's like, yes. no, I'm in control of my life. I'm in, I get to lead and guide my children in a thoughtful, authentic, kind, caring way. And I can teach them. And, um, so yeah, you know, it's like, I, it, it's so conflicting because it's, no, like, I'm so, I'm so proud of you though, for not taking that, his choices of his life by ending his life, you not taking on the burden of that. I'm so oh. freaking proud of you for that. Oh yeah. No, no, no. And, and that's, you know, some of the, the conflicting stuff too is like, well, isn't it better for your kids to be raised with, with a father? You know, I, I've been reading mm. this book like generational trauma and father fatherlessness and all this stuff. But I'm like, you know, they have positive men in their life. They yeah. have two amazing grandpas, grandfathers mm. in their life. And they have some really kind, good uncles in their life. And I didn't want them growing up in a, a toxic environment and so you know it's like yeah it sucks that their dad is not here but i know that i can guide them and lead them to be strong men kind men men who don't put up with this toxic masculinity men who are not abusive men who do not manipulate and i call the boys out all the time i'm like no he said stop you stop consent yeah. yeah stop kicking your brother 
you know, or you can be mad, you can be angry, but when you are mad and angry, you do not destroy things. Yeah. You don't put people down. Yeah. And you talk about it and you teach them yeah. how to interact, how to connect themselves with their body and their emotions. And that's where I said that, you know, we're so disconnected as a, as a collective, not just men. It's just as more obvious in men in the way with like violence and crazy things like that happening mm -hmm. and abuse. But it's like, that's where it comes from though, is that us raising us women be, being in whatever relationship it is where we are not supporting these boys and being humans and having emotions, you know? Oh yeah. No, we talk about emotions day and night. Good. Where, good. I love it. Know, Mom, we know mom, <laughs> or, you know, like a, a couple other phrases I say all the time too, is that, Hey, you have a voice in this family and your voice matters. Oh, I love that. Now I might not agree with it and you might get yeah. shut down, but make an argument. Fine. Make an yeah. argument. Yeah. Um, we all typical, typical attorney energy right there. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Present your, your case. Yeah, exactly. Give me, give me a good case. Um, another one is, um, you are not the boss. You are not the boss of your brother. You are not the boss of me. You are a leader. Mm. This is what I expect of you for being a leader in our family. Not the boss. I'm the boss and yeah. the leader. Yeah. But you guys are just little leaders. Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's kind of where we're at. I um, am not doing any legal practice right now. In fact, I've, I've stopped doing taking clients for EFT right now. Just, um, I'm just doing podcasts and I'm working on a couple books, but my focus is really just on my boys and their healing through all of this yeah. and myself as well. You know, you, that's super important. Yes, I'm really either. proud of you for focusing on that. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's not easy. And, you know, I never thought I would find myself as a, a single mom and with boys, but I would say I am so happy. And for any of the listeners too, who, you know, it is hard to walk away, but it gets better. It gets easier. Break the trauma bond, do the hard work, see your story as the hero of your story and not the victim. Then you can see the lessons, you know, what needs to be healed, what needs to be released and let go and break those patterns. And life is so much better. And there's so much freedom. I love that. And there was a quote I heard that was something about I'm okay with being in the villain of your story as long as I am always the hero in mine. Yes. Yeah. And and we have to be the hero of our story because that's where we get our power back. Mm -hmm. If I were to just come on and share my story with the abuse and, and my two ex-husbands being the hero of my story, I would have no power. Yep. They would be getting all the glory and all the power. But when I can come on here and say, no, I am the hero of my story and I'm not a victim in the corner crying, why did all this happen to me? I have found 
the opportunities through the struggle. I have found, um, I, I, I like to say that um, our struggle is our initiation into greatness. Mm, absolutely. And I'm, I'm not kidding. I just had this realization recently because this month is officially two years of me living the RV life. And I had this realization that I'm like, okay, I am absolutely certain that nothing happens by accident and everything we experience is to prepare us for a certain moment in time in our life. And I am telling you that my entire life has prepared me for the last two years of my life. It is freaking wild. It's wild. Yeah, no, it, it's so true. And that's, and that's what I say with, with the EFT. I didn't completely know what it was. I knew I needed yeah. something. And then for yeah. me to unbeknownst sign up to become a practitioner when I never had even done a tapping session before. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, but, but God knew I needed these tools. Yeah. And, and now I've been able to pass these tools onto my children and, and they will be able to take them and, and use them. And like I said, I mean, using it to, to sit with the emotions and release them, but also tapping into the person you want to become. Yeah. I mean, I'm always like, no, Stephanie, you are a strong, independent, successful woman you can do this. You are a mom here to teach your children and guide your children. And that is what you are doing. Yep. And, and yeah, like, like you've mentioned before, like living, I am a mom of three little boys. We are living our most authentic, beautiful life. And we are creating the life we want. And we are going to go travel. Like my, my nine-year-old said soon after, I don't even know if I mentioned that, a couple hours after his, his dad died, he's like, mom, we can go travel the world now. <laughs> this is because that's his way of saying, mom, we are free. And free. because I've always oh. been open with them and on their level, it wasn't, I don't think it was a huge shock. Yeah. 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 And, and that was his way of saying, mom, we are free. Let's go yeah. travel the world. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. We are free. We can do whatever we can create, whatever life we want now. Yeah. And that is beautiful. Yes. I love that so much. Well, I am definitely very, very freaking proud of you. And I know we just met, but still, I just love hearing anybody's story of their comeback and their resilience and to know that whatever shit you are in right now, is not your final destination. It is your initiation. I love exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. And, and continue to go forward because you will see in your story, you will see your opportunities for greatness. We all have it in our story. It's just a matter of pulling it out and living it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so, so much for your time and for sharing your story. And is there anywhere that people can connect with you if they're interested or no? Yeah. Well, you know, right now I am on LinkedIn and I, I okay. can send you that link and I'm on Facebook. Um, people can, can connect with me, me there. Um, okay. I don't have a website yet or any of that no stuff. Worries. I mean, it's, it's all in the making, but yeah. you know, right yeah. now it's just focusing on on the boys 
It's right here. Oh, hello there. <laughs> no worries. And I am excited for whenever the book comes out, you'll have to reach back out to me so we can get back on here and talk about it. I definitely will. Definitely. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time and thank you for listening, everybody. And I hope you had a little patience with the little interruption there that we had in our internet connection. But, you know, it's as always, it's a work in progress. It's perfectly imperfect. And we are just showing up and doing our best. And that's what matters. So love you and have a great week.